Okay, inshallah, we are beginning the sixth juz. Uh, tonight I will actually uh, not go, I, we won't do this for very long tonight. I will actually end a little bit early tonight, inshallah. So the sixth juz, uh, yeah. So last time uh, we finished. Uh, Alhamdulillah, last night we finished the f- uh, fifth juz of Qur'an Al-Kareem and now we're on the sixth juz which is still in Surah An-Nisa Surah An-Nisa, Surah number four of Qur'an Al-Kareem and we are in verse number 148 So you, you have, I have explained this term before La yuhibbu, la yuhibbu Allah Ta'ala does not love Allah Ta'ala does not love And like I said, this is viewed to be one of the strongest expressions In Qur'an Al-Karim Because as I mentioned before That this is the dream of every believer Anyone who's reading Qur'an Listening to Qur'an Viewing themselves to be addressed by Allah Ta'ala By Qur'an, through Qur'an Wants obviously only and only one thing In their whole life To be the beloved of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala And that's their attitude and intention uh, With which they turn to Qur'an That the Qur'an Al-Karim is the book that is going to guide me How to become the beloved of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala So Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala says La yuhibbullahu Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala does not love Will never love Cannot love even a single drop and iota Now here So I'm going to talk about a particular type of person or a particular attribute in a person. We've seen verses like that before. Now there's going to be a new way Allah Ta'ala is using this phrase about an action, about a particular type of action. Allah Subhanahu does not like al-jahra bisu'i min al-qawl. So literally it means the public jahr means to say something out loud, to say something openly, to say something publicly, to broadcast something. So the public, vocal, open, broadcast mention bisu'i of evil. Min al-qawli, that a person should verbally say that. So a person should speak openly, publicly and broadcast about evil. Except illa mandulima, except on behalf of the person who has been wronged. Right? Because the oppressed person needs assistance. To come out of their mazlumiya. So, man zulima. For those of you who know Arabic, man zulima, that's called mazlum, the person who is oppressed. And the mazlum needs to vocalize their condition. They may need to protest, they may need to petition, right? They may need to call out in a plea for help. The mazlum, why? So that the zulm, the oppression, injustice, transgression that has been perpetrated on them can be. Al- alleviated, can be removed, can be lifted and ultimately whatever force that was, that was committing that injustice on them can be repelled, alright so this is a very important exception, so two things we basically have in this ayah, right, so verbal sins are what, Uh, when you verbalize and broadcast evil this can be backbiting, this can be slander, this can be telling tales, this can be spreading false ideology, this can be spreading kufr, this can be spreading atheism there's so many types of ways this takes place, and this is why and all of you remember that Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in many ahadith has talked about how we should safeguard our tongue safeguard our tongue alright it can be seeking the faults of others fault finding publicizing faults publicizing sins false accusing slandering casting tales 
all right? Speaking lies, perpetrating falsehood, mocking religion, hurting someone, being cruel to someone, being mean to someone, hate speech, speech that incites hate in others, manipulating some, using words to manipulate others, using words. And there's so many types of evil that a person can do with their tongue. And here it also means that there's so many types of evil that a person can magnify and spread by speaking about it and broadcasting it and mentioning it publicly. And indeed, uh, sorry, and Allah Ta'ala is ever all hearing. So I just explain this here. When you see inna, so sometimes it says that inna. So inna means indeed, certainly, verily. And kana comes from what we call istimrar. Kana means that Allah Ta'ala is always. And indeed, Allah Ta'ala is always, ever, sami'an, all hearing, alima, all knowing. So he hears everything and he knows intentions by it. He hears everything and he knows what's true and what's false. He hears all the things that people are saying, but he knows better than them the reality of what it is that they're saying. So this is obviously a very, very important uh, ayah of Qur'an al-Karim. This also, by the way, also can include uh, profanity, abusive language. Uh, you know, there's so many ways that the ulama have uh, interpreted this in a more broad and general sense. On the flip side, on verse 149, That if you disclose and make manifest a good, a virtue, whether a good deed or a good act or a good concept. Or you do a good deed but you hide it. Means you do it privately, purely for the sake of Allah SWT, like in a case of charity or any other devotion. Oh, and the third possibility, or you pardon and forgive an act of evil that was done to you. So three things. That you disclose a good deed, you conceal a good deed, or you forgive a bad deed that someone else did to you. So there, what, what was it? And here instead of kana, you have inna. And you have, it starts with inna. And indeed, Allah Spanta is always ever a fuwan himself. He is all pardoning. So it comes about us, you pardon, and Allah Ta'ala Himself is always ever all-pardoning, Kadira, while being all-powerful. It means that He was all-powerful, He could have called us to task, reckoned us, made us account for that sin. But despite being, you can say despite, while being Kadira, He chooses to be Afuwa, He chooses to be all-pardoning. So this is one of the aspects in which, one of the manners in which Allah subhanahu wa mercy and His pardon and His love and His forgiveness and His compassion and His beneficence. This is all the meaning of Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim, Al-Ghafoor, Al-Ghafar, Al-Afu, Al-Tawab. His relenting and off-turning nature to humanity dominates, is predominant, is ghalib. And Allah Ta'ala Himself has chosen it that way over His power and might and, and justice and, and power and ability to justly extract vengeance and account on others. Alright, so this was verses 148 and 149. Then we move ahead to verse 156. In 157, now this is a particular thing, and I have to spend a little bit of time on this, about the teaching of Krishna. There's going to be some mention of 
the, the historical community of Jews at the time of Sayyidina Isa salam, what was the form of their reaction and response to Sayyidina Isa salam? What was their reaction and response? So number one, verse 156 from the verses that I'm selecting to do tonight. وَبِكُفْرِهِمْ وَقَوْلِهِمْ عَلَى مَرْيَمَ بُحْتَانًا azima. So, earlier, Allah SWT is talking about His punishment and anger and wrath on them and has given a number of reasons. One reason is this, وَبِكُفْرِهِمْ وَقَوْلِهِمْ عَلَى مَرْيَمَ بُحْتَانًا azima. That they, number one, remember Kufr in the Quran, they denied the truth and chose to disbelieve in it even though deep down they knew it to be true and they're saying and so I'm looking it back they're saying a slander a terrible slander against Sayyidina Maryam so what was that slander you see because the Jews did not believe uh, in Nabi Isa as a prophet therefore they did not believe in the prophet Jesus his immaculate birth therefore they did not believe the Sayyid, when Sayyidah Maryam professed her own innocence that no person has ever touched me even when as Allah Ta'ala has mentioned in, in this whole surah in her name, Surah Maryam, that's coming later in Quran, which tells her story in detail. And in that part of that story is that baby Isa Islam himself even attested to the innocence of his mother. Right? But they didn't believe in this. And instead they said that no, she had. Nauzu billah al-Aman al-Lafiz. She had, uh, you know, had relations with a man and there was some man human who was uh, baby Isa father so this was the Bhutan and Azima and remember Allah Ta'ala one of his attributes is Al-Azim one of his names Asmaul Husna is Al-Azim one of his sifat is Azim so if Allah Al-Azim is describing a Bhutan slander as Azim in which book in Quran Al-Azim you can imagine what a tremendous Bhutan that was and even mean you can understand Right, that uh, that accusing the greatest woman, and we did those verses before in this series, the greatest woman in all of humanity, say the Maryam Madonna of committing a complete act of indecency, is an incredible slander. But in some sense, by definition, uh, for a person at that time historically, and things are you know very different today, would be understood differently today but at that time historically obviously any person who remains a Jew can only remain a Jew by refusing to accept Christianity, right? And later a person can only remain Christian by choosing to uh, not accept Islam, right? A person will remain a Muslim by choosing not to accept any other teaching. Okay, so this was the first thing. Second, second call of theirs. So the first, him ala Maryama bohtan adima. Second, him and their second statement, their second saying, what? Inna katalna al-Masiha Isa ibn Maryama Rasulullah. That we have killed al-Masih. And it's very interesting, and you're going to see this today, that in the Quran, Allah uses these terms 
that modern, you know, historical and contemporary Christians use for Islam. And 99% of them probably don't even know that Muslims believe in these terms and they're mentioned in Quran, but perhaps our understanding of them is obviously different from theirs. The Messiah, Al-Masih, Ruh, the Spirit of Allah SWT, Kalima, the Word of God, all of these will come today. Alright? So the Jews at that time, according to to the Quran, which for us is absolute truth, right? The Jews today don't accept this, by the way. Uh, they say that, no, no, this is not what happened and we did not try to kill Jesus. Alright? So, Allah Ta'ala is saying that another reason He's upset with them is for their claiming this, because we also say they were not able to kill Nabi Isa as is coming. For their claiming and saying that indeed we kill Al-Masih, the Messiah, Isa ibn Maryam, Nabi Isa the son of Maryam, and look at the next word, Rasulullah, the Messenger of Allah. That's why I told you that their kufr was that they denied the truth and chose to disbelieve in it even though they knew it was true. That's why they're calling Isa Islam Rasulullah, the messenger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is something that came earlier in Surah Baqarah that even earlier Jewish communities had killed prophets that came to them all the while knowing there were prophets that were sent by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They killed prophets they knew and believed to be sent by God. And the last prophet in whom they tried to do this, and they actually think they did do it, and therefore they're stating it, was Sayyidina Isa uh, salam. Okay? But now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to make it very clear that what is the reality? What actually happened? Right? So just think that these are two very big statements. Accusing Sayyidina Maryam of adultery, and resolving to, and now acknowledging with pride almost in glee that they murdered Sayyidina Isa a.s. Other ulama say that uh, they did not believe him. and so, so there are different levels, right? And so this was for the Jews who were of scholars or understanding and who knew him to be a prophet. But they concealed that from their community. And therefore the ordinary Jews... Did actually, they didn't believe Isa al to be a prophet. They thought he was a false claimant to prophethood. And that's why they also, uh, you know, that's why the masses agreed uh, with their rabbis and their scholars that Isa al should be killed. So the same thing happens here, uh, is going to happen with Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, that the historical Jewish community at his time, of the few of their rabbinical class, did know him to be a prophet, and they hid that reality from their mass followers, and the mass followers truly didn't believe him to be a prophet, and therefore they opposed him. Alright. Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to make it very clear what actually happened. But they did not kill Nabi Isa. And they did not crucify him. It's another major term of the crucifixion, right? They did not crucify him. But rather it was made to appear like that to them. Alright? So what happened here, actually, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala lifted up Nabi Isa salam alive, raised him to the heavens and kept him with his presence. And one of the Jews who had gone to murder Nabi Isa salam, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
gave him the tashbih or the likeness, the physical appearance of Nabi Islam, and he was then killed by his the others from his group of these sort of assassins, right? And he was the one who was crucified on the cross. Another explanation that has been given by the ulama of tafsir is that Sayyidina Isa salam was sitting in his home with 70, his 70 hawariyin, his 70 sahaba, his 70 companions. And Allah SWT made all of them look like Nabi Isa salam. So when the assassins came in, so when they saw that, they threatened and they said that we'll kill each and every one of you. Unless the real Isa comes forward, and if he comes forward, we'll kill him alone and we'll spare his companions. So one of them, it wasn't Nabi Isa one of them came forward to save Nabi Isa And when he came forward, the assassins thought that he was Isa and they killed him and they crucified him. And Allah raised up the true Nabi Isa to him in the heavens. Right? There's a lot of discussion uh, that the ulama of tafsir have mentioned about this incident. But more important to us as to who exactly was it that was killed and crucified is Allah Ta'ala's statement. More important to us is that it was not Isa salam who was killed and it was not Isa salam who was crucified. Alright? And indeed, there are those who differ concerning this matter. And I told you that even from the scholars, there are different opinions about how it happened. And surely they are in doubt about it. Anybody who is not 100% sure about whether Isa was killed and crucified or whether he was raised up by Allah such a person has no knowledge whatsoever about it and all they're doing is they're just following pure speculation. And then Allah resolves the matter and they did not kill Nabi Isa salam yaqeenan. Absolutely certain is this fact. Bal, nay, rather, Rafa'ullahu ilayhi, Allah subhanahu raised up Nabi Isa salam towards him. So those of you who are in Pakistan or have relatives in Pakistan or know, there's a popular speaker here who says this repeatedly on TV and in YouTube videos, which unfortunately attract, I don't know, thousands of viewers, that Nabi Isa was killed and crucified on the cross. And it goes direct, and his name is Javed Ghamdi, and it goes directly against the teaching of Qur'an al-Karim. Right? And what he does is he shows the earlier passage, which I done with you in Quran, where Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala uses the term inni mutubafika, and tubafa sometimes also has been used to mean death. But this verse makes it very clear, right? That Nabi Islam was not killed, and Allah Ta'ala raised him up towards him. And indeed Allah Ta'ala is ever almighty. Means it is completely in the might and power and ability of Allah Ta'ala to do that. Hakima And Allah Ta'ala is all wise. And it's very easy to understand that same one and only Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala who caused Isa to be 
born without a father, that very same one and only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala called Isa to be raised up to him without going through the process of death. Why? Because Allah Ta'ala is going to send Nabi Isa back towards the end of time and when he comes back he will undergo the process of death and then die and then be raised on the Day of Judgment with all of the other Anbiya and with all of other Insan and humanity. Alright. Then next verse one fifty nine. And indeed there is not anyone from the Ahl Kitab, right? Uh, There is not anyone from the Ahl Kitab illa except that they will certainly believe in Nabi Isa before his death. So if you just take out the double negative or the negation and exception, it means simply every single person from the Ahl Kitab, from the Jews and the Christians, la yu'minanna will definitely, definitely believe he in Nabi Islam Kablamotihi before he dies in after his second coming. Right? And before he dies, uh, which is he will die right before the end of time. Okay? So that is another very interesting thing. This verse in Quran is clearly mentioning the return of Nabi Qiyamati, And this is because these two incidents are going to be pretty much consecutive in time. Allah Ta'ala is mentioning them consecutively in Quran. And on the day of judgment, Nabi Isa himself will bear witness against whom? Against the, those in the Ahli Kitab who slandered Sayyidina Marim Radhanha, those who claimed that they killed him and crucified him. Alright? Okay. And another meaning that some of the ulama have taken out of this is that when Allah Ta'ala is saying in Quran that every single individual of the Ahli Kitab present at the time of the second coming of Nabi Isa and prior to his death, that every one of them will believe in him, that means that they will believe in him truly and they will have true Iman. And because he, when he comes back, the second, when he was given the second phase or period of life on earth, he will come back as an Ummati and muttabeh and follower of Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam so through him all of the Ahl Kitab once they believe in him obviously they will believe then what he believes in and at that moment then all the Ahl Kitab will be united Jews and Christians and Muslims all under one banner of the Deen of Islam and following the path of Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam so some have taken it to mean this also Allah Ta'ala knows best Right, uh, and we won't be asked about this on the day of judgment. And any one of us, or our children, or great grandchildren, or descendants, Allah Alam, how many years, or centuries, or millennia after today this event will take place. But anyone who was alive at that time will know the reality of this. Okay, verse one sixty-two. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala mentions a category of people. Uh, <coughs> Of the Ahl Kitab. 
but it gives us also an idea of a concept. However, those who were very, it literally means those who were well grounded and firmly established in their knowledge. Right? Minhum, from amongst the Ahli Kitab. And the believers, believers means the mu'mineen, muslimin, they all believe in every single thing that has been revealed to you, singular Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa and they believe in everything that was truly revealed by Allah subhanahu before you, singular Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. As-salata, and those who regularly establish the salah, and they offer uh, and pay their charity zakat and they are ones who truly believe in Allah Ta'ala and the last day all such people all of them all those so we will bestow upon them grant them give them a tremendous reward so there's a notion here that they were those who truly grasp knowledge that knowledge will lead them to iman so this is referring to those ahl kitab who truly were knowledgeable and they possessed deep sound accurate knowledge and insight and they accepted then iman because the verse is saying Allah is saying in the Quran that they believe in everything that was revealed to the Prophet means they believed in Quran but the general lesson we learn here is that if you're deep in your knowledge of kitab so for us it means if you're deep in your knowledge of Quran al-Kareem, it will be a source of hidayah for you. It will guide you to make the right decision and the right choice and preserve your iman at a time when your iman is tested and challenged. So this is why it's very important for us to try to be as deep and sound in the knowledge of Quran al-Kareem as we may be. Now skipping ahead to verse 171. Verse 171. Ya Ahl al-Kitabi. Alright, so Allah Ta'ala now, you know, again, after a long, you know, Surah Al-Baqarah, Surah Al-Imran, Surah Nisa, three very long surahs of Quran, with many, many passages talking about the Ahl al-Kitab, Allah Ta'ala now is addressing them directly. Ya Ahl al-Kitabi. La taghlu fi dinikum. And again, like I said, I'm highlighting this. Well, there's many things that are going to happen in this verse. But remember the general principle that whatever Allah Ta'ala is addressing the Ahl Kitab, we should also learn from that lesson. So, what is Allah Ta'ala saying to them? La taghlu fi dinikum. Do not ever have ghlu. Do not have excessive partisanship, vanity, conceit, don't go to extremes, fidinikum in matters of deen. Now, I'm not using the word extreme in a modern contemporary sense. Extreme means to be so blinded by your partisanship that you fail to see the truth. So to be so blinded by your partisanship of being Christian versus Jew or Jew versus Christian that you are unable to see and accept in the truth of Islam. Okay, now look how Allah Subhanahu is going to talk about Sayyidina Isa Islam. Innamal Masihu Isa ibn Maryama. So again, Masih, the Messiah. 
Isa ibn Maryam, Allah Ta'ala often kept saying this because he's not the son of God, he's the son of Maryam. So Allah Ta'ala keeps referring to Nabi Isa Islam this way in Quran al-Karim because the Christians kept saying son of God, son of God, son of God. So Allah Ta'ala says, no, son of Maryam, son of Maryam, son of Maryam. He is the Messiah, Al-Masih. And that's because, like I've already told you, he's going to come back. This is the meaning of Al-Masih. Anybody who denies the second coming of Nabi Isa Islam is denying so many verses of Quran al-Karim, the literal, explicit, non-ambiguous, irrefutable meaning of verses in Quran al-Karim. Rasulullah, and he's the messenger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and he's the word of God, the kalima of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it's the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which Allah ta'ala cast and placed and conveyed to Maryam, and Isa al-Islam is what? Ruh. He's a spirit. Minhu. So this is where the wrong concept of Holy Spirit came from. Right? And you know, and, and there's the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, this concept of Trinity. There were also some Christians who instead of the Holy Spirit, they viewed, and these, these different denominations exist today also, they viewed, say, the Maryam as the third aspect of the Trinity. So Allah is directly addressing this. Let me finish the verse and I'll come back and explain this a bit more. فَآمِنُوا بِاللَّهِ وَرُسُلِهِ Therefore, you all should believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and all of His messengers. وَلَا تَكُولُوا ثَلَاثَ Don't profess, quote-unquote, three. means don't profess the Trinity. Intahu cease that entirely. Stop talking about Trinity. Cease and desist and refrain and abstain entirely. If you do that, khairan lakum. It will be far, far better for you. Innamallahu ilahu wahid. Indeed, Allah is only one God. Ilahu wahid. Subhanahu. And he is far, far transcendent, pure, immaculate, perfect, glorified be he that he should ever have a child. You can say son if you want. And what would he need to have a son? Every single thing created in all of the firmaments and heavens and realms and all of that which is created and lies upon the earth, lahu belongs entirely to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, including Isa alayhi salam. وَكَفَى بِاللَّهِ And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is sufficient as a wakil. Now here, it's not wakil for us, it's his own affairs. He's sufficient as the conductor, disposer, agent of his own affairs. He has complete power and agency himself to act however he so wishes to act. Alright? Okay, now let me go back and explain some of these things here. This is a very important passage uh, that just in one ayah, really 170, is the entire Islamic, Quranic, true, haq understanding of what Christianity is and what Christianity is not. Right? What true Christianity is and what uh, false beliefs have become. So the ruh, so he is a ruh. Why? Because this was the manner in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created uh, Nabi Isa salam from a ruh from himself. Alright? But that still doesn't make him God or the son of God or have any sense of divinity in him. So Allah ta'ala addresses all these aspects in this passage of Quran al-Kareem. Alright? 
and then ultimately negates the concept of uh, Nabi Sallallahu being the Son of God, reiterates that Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala is one and one only, and also specifically negates uh, by mention uh, specifically of the word Trinity. Right? It also shows that this was a the Trinity was a concept that the Christians were already believing in at the time of Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And the many other, you know, sort of even professors or academics or historians of Christianity that have written about this, uh, that when did the doctrine of Trinity when was the doctrine of Trinity Trinity sort of formally adopted as a Christian belief. But obviously, uh, Christians today who believe in Christianity will they think that Trinity is the original concept uh, mentioned in the Bible. Uh, but it's very hard uh, for them to prove that. Okay. What does it mean that Nabi Isa Salam is the kalima or the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? So one aspect of that is that Allah Ta'ala created him by saying, Kun fayakun be and it will become. So his creation had this special element in it because he doesn't have a father that he was created through the command, the word of the command, the word kun, which denotes the command of Allah subhanahu wa Another meaning is that, uh, you know, Nabi Isa salam spoke uh, from the, you know, when he was just a baby and that was a bestowal of Allah ta'ala upon him through Allah Subhanahu's power that he bestowed upon him this ability to speak. Then comes this question of ruh, right? Uh, so in one sense this is true for everybody. All of us are created by the commandment of Allah Ta'ala Kun, but for most of us we are created through the outward uh, apparent sabab or cause, uh, which is conception, gestation, childbirth, etc. Right? And for Nabi Islam, uh, the conception took place without any apparent outward cause. And therefore that is a more heightened relationship with the command of Allah Ta'ala Kun. And hence he is referred to as a Kalima. Second is that question could be why is he referred to as a Ruh? Because every human being has a Ruh, right? And all of us, uh, and this comes in uh, Hadith and Every human being, the ruh is infused into the human embryo, right? And ulama of different, was it 40 days or is it 4 months? So everybody has a ruh. So yes, obviously Nabi Sallallahu has a ruh, just by virtue of being insan, just by virtue of being insan. But because Allah SWT, unlike any other human being, raised up Nabi Sallallahu into his in the heavenly realm near his presence, which is actually a place where of the arwah. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, specifically referred to him as a ruh minhu, right? That is the spirit. Second uh, aspect of this is that ruh sometimes in Quran also refers to the angel Sayyidina Jibreel and because the angel Sayyidina Jibreel is the one who conveyed to Sayyidina Maryam Radana the glad tidings of the birth of Nabi Isa the word ru is uh, somehow a sort of an allegorical uh, sort of ishara to Nabi, uh, to the angel Jibreel alayhi salam. All right. Verse 172. Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is making, is sort of defending, if you will, or exonerating Nabi Isa alayhi salam for ever having made this claim. 
because the Christians also claimed that no, Jesus himself said that he's the son of God, right? And therefore that's why we say it. So Allah Ta'ala is clarifying this in Quran claim. Lai, lai yastan kifal masihu an yakuna abdan lillahi. First of all, that if what Allah Subhanahu Wa means here is that if Isa is some claim to be a son of God, that means he is not happy with simply being abd of Allah Subhanahu Wa So Allah is saying, never ever with Al Masih, the Messiah, and Isa Islam, deem it unworthy of himself or disdain to be the slave of Allah Subhanahu Wa Let you know, because in other words, he would never make himself the object of worship. He himself is the worshipper, is an abd. And even the angels who are near to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, even the archangel Jibreel himself, they also never make any claims to divinity and they never view the status of abd as beneath them. So what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying is being an abd, the slave of Allah ta'ala, is the highest rank. So if you accord Jesus salam divinity, you're actually reducing his rank. Because the highest rank of a human would not even be son of God. Not that any such thing exists. The highest rank of human of human being isn't to be the third of a trinity. Not that any such thing exists. The highest rank of the human being and the highest rank of the unbeyond Mursaleen is to be the Abd of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's why Sayyidina Rasulullah also said about himself, he's an Abd. And why we say in our Tashahud and Anna Muhammadan Abduhu wa Rasulu. It's the highest rank. And even the Malaika Muqarabun, so not just for humans, but even for the angels, the highest rank of angels, who are known as the Muqarabun angels, the angels who are nearest and closest to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, for them their highest rank is also that they're abd. Second, now one is abd, one is ibadah. وَمَنْ يَسْتَنْكِفْ أَنْ إِبَادَتِهِ And anybody who disdains and deems themselves too high and mighty for the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? Naudhi billah, if anyone had professed that they themselves should be an object of worship because Christians at that time and up till today, they also worship Jesus, right? So he's not an object of worship, he's a worshipper himself. So anybody who disdained to worship Allah Ta'ala and, and was arrogant, it means out of arrogance, then Allah Ta'ala will gather all such to him all together. Right means Allah and it's uh, it's not coming across properly in English. It's it's Allah Subhanahu wa These are words of Wa'id, right? Allah Subhanahu wa will gather round them all up. Allah Taala will round up any and all such transgressors who want to be objects of worship instead of worshippers. Allah Taala will round them all up and gather them to Him together and deal with them on the day of judgment. Right? Okay. Verse 173. Okay, this is just a general teaching. But, uh, for those who have iman, who believe and do righteous deeds, for ujuruhum and Allah they will be given, then He, Allah SWT, will give them their full reward. And He will even increase them and give them more ziyada from His fuzzle, from His bounty and blessing. These two words that came before. As far as those who disdain to worship Allah Ta'ala and adopted the path of arrogance, 
arrogance. For you adhibuhum adhaban alima. He, Allah Subhanahu will punish all such people who disdain to worship and adopt the path of arrogance with what adhaban alima with an extremely painful, tormenting punishment. And they will not find for themselves, for the benefit of themselves, other than Allah Ta'ala, any wali at all, nor any helper at all. Ya nasu, And now, Allah Ta'ala then addressing all of humanity. Having addressed believers, having addressed Allah Kitab, Yayu Anasu, O each and every person from humanity, Kadja Okum Burhanum Mirabikum, indeed a Burhan, an established and establishing proof, an absolute certain conviction has come to you, Mirabikum, from your Rabb, Wa Anzalna Ilaykum Nuram Mubina, and Allah Ta'ala says, we have sent down for you, plural, all of humanity, Nuram Mubina, a clear and manifest light. Nuram Mubina, a clear and manifest light. <coughs> Alright, so here, uh, Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala is, you know, mentioning to all of humanity, that the, and many have taken, that the Qur'an al-Kareem is the Burhan, and the Nur is Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Some have said that the Qur'an al-Kareem and the Nur are both, uh, the Burhan and the Nur are both the Qur'an al-Kareem. All of this is true. The Qur'an al-Kareem is a Nur, and the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa is also a Nur. And for that matter, the Qur'an al-Kareem is a Burhan, and the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa is also a Burhan. Alright? But it makes more sense, and I think that interpretation is stronger, that the first word Burhan is referring to Qur'an al-Kareem, and Nur is referring to Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa Alright? And there's a bit of a play here, that... Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa is not going to be referred to as a ruh only because uh, it's been seen that previous religious communities misunderstood the word ruh. And unfortunately we also have some uh, religious communities today and you know in history as well who misunderstood the word nur here. And they thought that because Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa has been referred to as nur and, he, and this also has come in hadith that he's not a human. So that's incorrect. The Prophet is Nur and Bashar. He is a human being in every sense that me and you are human beings but he's also a light of the guidance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, a clear and manifest light of his sunnah, a clear and manifest light of the living embodiment of Quran al-Kareem and the teacher and guide and exemplar and model and way on how to travel surat al-mustaqim and earn the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala while being human, while being abd, servant and and abid, uh, abd, slave and servant and abid and worshipper of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and while being Rasul and Nabi and while being the greatest of all of creation. All of these elements coexist simultaneously in Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu so therefore then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then continues amanu. So from the ayuhannas, from amongst those As far as those who choose to believe billahi in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bihi, And I did this for you before And hold fast to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala And Allah ta'ala's teachings, kalam, Quran And the deen revealed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala fi rahmatin minhu, That Allah ta'ala will admit all such 
of them fi rahmatin into his mercy minhu that emanates from himself for fazlin and he will admit them into a tremendous bounty and fazl wa yahdihim ilayhi and he Allah Ta'ala himself will guide all such people ilayhi towards himself on what? siratul mustaqima that same siratul mustaqim that we had ihdina siratul mustaqim right? that straight path that leads to a life that attracts the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay, now we will do a few verses in Surah Al-Maidah, which is Surah number 5. Starting with the very first phrase, but maybe not the whole verse. First phrase of verse number 1. Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu awfu bil-uqood. This is another one of those master usul I highlight, I've been highlighting to you about interpersonal relations, collective living, societal living, that oh you believe, awfu bil-uqood. So we did before, be true to your pledges and promises and covenants we did before establish justice Hiltala is saying something more fulfill your contractual obligations so the first thing that we realize is this is a part of being human is to have and negotiate and settle and agree upon certain contractual obligations with one another whether that is a marriage contract, whether that is a business contract, sale contract whether that is a contract of lease etc so this is a very important teaching of deen. And this is something that unfortunately many, not to say many, but unfortunately some members of the Ummah have lapsed in their honesty and their honoring of contracts that they voluntarily enter uh, out of their own accord. Okay, let's look at the first uh, phrase of verse number two. Ya ayyuhalladina amanu la tuhillu sha'a'irallahi so, O oh, you who believe, do not violate. Do not violate Sha'a'ir Allah. So, some have translated Sha'a'ir as the rights of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Some, the Sha'a'ir, uh, mean uh, sort of um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's signs uh, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has uh, placed on this earth. So, from Min Sha'a'ir Allah is the Kaaba, uh, is Maqam Ibrahim, is many, many things. All right, uh, and some say the Sha'ir Allah specifically refers to the monastic uh, or the rites uh, of Hajj and the sacred journey and the sacred pilgrimage. Here, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala in Surah Hajj, Surah twenty-two, verse thirty-two, also mentions this concept of the Sha'ir Allah uh, and mentions that whosoever reveres the Sha'ir Allah, that their act of reverence and honoring and granting them sacrality is from the piety of their heart. So the Sha'ir Allah, uh, you know, some ulama have also said this includes the masajid, the people of Allah, the places of Allah Ta'ala's remembrance, anything uh, that is connected to exalting and uplifting kalimatullah or exalting and uplifting the deen. All right. Now verse number three, towards the end, uh, uh, verse number three is uh, a very famous verse that all of you would have heard of because this is the last verse according to the majority of commentators that was revealed uh, in Quran al-Kareem right? uh, and it's interesting that it comes as part of uh, verse number three and the beginning of verse number three is talking about you know the type of animals that are permitted to eat and slaughter etc etc 
So this was the occasion of the Hajjat al-Wida. So this was the Hajj where Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wasallam basically indicated his farewell to the companions and the Sahaba Ikram, you know, and they reached about 120 some thousand after the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam passed away and the vast majority had accepted Iman by this point. So you can say over a hundred thousand Sahaba were gathered and this was the largest gathering in the lifetime of Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi so we can just imagine what yeah, can you imagine what a you know what a scene that would have been. Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the vast majority of his companions present. Okay, this is the year ten after Hijrah. This is after Fatih Makkah. This is after so many more people even accepted Islam. This is the real swelling uh, and sort of completion of the faith. And this is the manifestation of what Allah Subhanahu wa Taala had revealed previously in Quran. Uh, that people would enter the deen in droves and droves. So then, Allah Taala revealed this verse at that time, at that moment. And what is the verse? Al Yoma. Number one, This day is the day that those who denied the truth and disbelieved in it, even though they knew it to be true, Yaisu, they're ma'yus, they've despaired, they've become despondent of your deen because of your deen. Means they know that they can never defeat your deen, eliminate your deen, eradicate your deen. Falatakshohom, and Allah says, then do not fear them, ni, but rather fear me. And if you remember, we did this before. I told you with khawf and it's going to come in khashir and here it has come. Falatakshohum, do not fear them. Waqshoni, but fear me. And it's interesting because at this moment, the Sahaba Ikram aren't really feeling fear at all for the disbelievers. This is after Fatih Makkah. This is Hajjat Wada. They're standing in hundred thousands. I mean, hundred thousand. This is a gathering of great strength, right? But the Sahabah is still reminding them of usul. That you, even at this moment you may be gathered, but in the future, so this is a teaching again for the whole Ummah, obviously the whole Quran is a teaching for the whole Ummah, never ever should you let yourself fall in fear of them. You should only fear me. And Allah is also talking about their past, that look, you are triumphant, you succeeded, Fatimah has happened, you're standing all together now, you're 100,000 strong, so many of the people of Makkah Makkah have actually even accepted Islam, so many of the enemies of Islam have entered Islam, so you see if any, you had a slight level of fear of them, but alhamdulillah, you feared me more and that's what brought you the success so I repeat to you the rule that is what brought you this far so that you remain in this rule and the Ummah remains on this rule what? that do not fear them do not fear creation do not fear others do not fear enemies but all you have to do is fear Allah Ta'ala have taqwa to Allah Ta'ala obey Allah Ta'ala leave sins and everything will be fine so that's the first aspect of that day al-yawma yasalladina kafiru second aspect of that day and third, Alright? So this is, now imagine how happy Sayyidina Rasulullah would have been when this verse was revealed to him and how happily he must have recited it and shared it to the Sahaba and how happy the Sahaba must have been to hear this. This is like the graduation. This is the completion. Allah is saying, this is the day. Right? Akmaltulukum <clears throat> dinukum. So Kamal comes for perfection that I perfected for you, for your sake, dinakum your deen. 
and I've atmam to is from itmam for completion, to so the perfection and completion. And I've completed upon you ni'mati my favor. And finally, we're the two, and I have, Allah saying, I am pleased for you, Al Islama, Al Islama, as your deen. Hmm? I've approved for you, Al Islam, as your deen. So, this is obviously a very important uh, ayah of Quran al Karim, and it teaches us a number of things. That the deen itself is the greatest favor that Allah subhanahu has bestowed upon us. So the greatest ni'mah beyond our health or beyond our wealth or beyond anything, the greatest ni'mah Allah Ta'ala sent on us is deen. The second way the word deen is being used here is that the deen for us, so from Allah Ta'ala, from Allah Ta'ala, the greatest ni'mah, bounty, blessing, favor He has bestowed upon us is deen. From us, for us, deen is going to be the way that we attain the pleasure of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. So it's all about deen. That's why the Day of Judgment, by the way, is called Yom Ad-Deen. Deen doesn't mean judgment in Arabic, right? It's the Day of Deen. The day that you will be judged according to your deen. Judged by your deen. The day that it will be judged, were you on deen or not? Did you value that ni'mah that was called deen? Did you follow deen to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? That's what's going to be looked at on that day. Right? To people in English, they say day of judgment. And because we're so used to that, if I start saying it's day of religion, people say that's a strange translation. But the word is Yom al-Din, Yom al-Jaza. Uh, there are other ways it has been referred to, Yom al-Hashr, the day of gathering. There are many other ways it's been referred to in Quran. But this is the aspect of Deen. This is the aspect of Deen. And obviously, after Fatih Makkah and Sayyidina Rasulullah Wasallam was alive, the completion and perfection of Deen of Islam, the completion and perfection of the guidance, and Allah Ta'ala telling you that. It's also the amazing thing about this ayah. I mean, obviously, every one of us and every one of the Sahaba believed everything in the Quran to be perfect and complete always. But this notion of climax, if you will, this notion of conclusion, in this verse is infinitely more than what they would have felt in the actual act of Fatimakkah. And this is a great blessing uh, that Allah Ta'ala bestowed upon this ummah in the form of the first community, the Sahabah Ikram. So another way you can understand Sahabah Ikram, the first and foremost definition is this, those who were companions in a state of Iman with Sayyidina Rasulullah Wasallam. But another way you can understand them is that first early generation of believers who made all the sacrifices for deen, who adopted deen, who used the deen to attain the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, such that their lives and sacrifices and their support of the Prophet such that their belief and certainty and obedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, such that their following of the Sunnah of the Prophet such that their listening to the recitation and learning the recitation of Quran al-Kareem and such their, of their following and doing amal on every eye of Quran that was revealed at this point, that first golden special community became the sabab and the means and the, for which Allah Ta'ala then finally sent down this verse that, the, uh, that Allah Ta'ala had completed and perfected his, the deen of Islam and his blessing on us. Alright, Surah Al-Maidah, continuing Surah Al-Maidah, Surah Al-Maidah, Surah 5, now verse number 6, is the famous ayah about wudu. I will just read the first phrase of it. Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu idha kuntum ila salati faksulu wajuhukum wa aidiyakum ila al-marafiki wa msahu biru'usikum wa arjulakum ila al-ka'bain. 
that oh you believe whenever you intend whenever you stand up means whenever you rise and stand for salah you should wash your faces and your literally means hands up to the elbows so when you, then you would translate it your arms up to the elbows and you should wipe your heads and you should wash your feet until the ankles so here we see that although Allah Ta'ala has not mentioned the specifics of Salah in Quran Al-Kareem, how many rakats are in Fajr and how many rakats, etc. Right? The concept of Qiyam, Ruku and Sujood are there, but even the fact that Sajda should be done twice is not mentioned. Right? Here Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala similarly is mentioning what we call the Arkan, the core elements of Wudu. And here because also Arjulakum, Allah Ta'ala has mentioned that you should wash your feet. Uh, very important to see because arjulakum uh, the fatha on the lamb means that arjulakum is conjuncted with wujuhakum adiyakum arjulakum so all of these things are to be washed and that's why if there's an exception to washing feet such as wiping over the leather socks that exception has to come from a very very strong hadith and because the strong hadith specifically mentioned leather socks or socks that are like leather in the sense that they're waterproof you can walk upon them for a certain amount of time without you know any uh, pain or piercing to your feet that is why it's only upon socks like that that you would be able to wipe otherwise the default Quranic command is to wash your feet all right okay verse number seven Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is talking about what should the response be of the believers when Allah Ta'ala sends up down upon them uh, deen and teachings of deen and takes from them pledge. alaykum and remember the bounty and favor of Allah Ta'ala upon you, plural all believers. and his covenant and pledge with which he bound each and all of you, O believers, be he by means of that pledge, which is basically our kalima, that we accept iman. Id kultum, and when you said, Samitna wa ata'na, you said what we hear and we obey. And this is the beautiful uh, attitude and the beautiful uh, expression of the way the Sahaba Ikram, radiallahu ta'ala anhum ajmain, they approach their deen. Samitna wa ata'na, samitna wa ata'na, samitna wa ata'na, that we hear and we obey. What does it mean that any and every time any verse or portion of Quran or phrase from a verse was recited, was revealed to Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and then he recited it, and the Sahaba heard it, immediately they would obey it. Immediately they would obey it. Right? This is the more general teaching. Uh, and there there was a particular historical uh, circumstance as well when the Sahaba took a certain pledge uh, to Nabi Kareem Sallallahu on the night of Aqaba and they said, we hear and we obey. Alright? So this particular historical circumstance is also there and the general teaching is also there and it's a guidance for us that anytime we learn something about our deen we should learn it and immediately obey. Samitna wa ata'na Samitna wa ata'na Samitna wa ata'na We hear and we obey. We hear and we obey. Wattukullah and fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Inna laha alimun bidhatis sudur and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is all-knowing about everything that is contained in the breasts, heart, soul, conscience, inner emotions of a human being. 
That, O oh, you who have adopted Iman, you must be firm and steadfast, ka'im, permanently established, and firm and steadfast, lillahi, for the sake of Allah subhanahu ta'ala, shuhada abil qist. You should be witnesses for justice and fairness and equity. So it's another one of those master usul verses I've been highlighting to you. Allah is telling us what type of attributes we should have in society. These people don't understand the beautiful teachings Allah Ta'ala has guided us to in Quran about how a human being can fulfill, an individual human can fulfill the most virtuous, noble, excellent role in its society. And one aspect of that is to uphold, to be upright and firm and to uphold testimony with justice. Alright? So justice should be established, testimony should be offered, and we did this before, irrespective of whom you have to uh, testify against. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says the second thing, وَلَا يُجْرِمَنَّكُمْ شَنَانُ قَوْمٍ عَلَىٰ أَلَّا تَعْدِلُوا Do not let the hatred or enmity or hostility or malice and spite for a community, for a people, for a nation, prevent you from being just. Hmm? So this is a beautiful teaching that if you take it in a more general universal sense, this removes all uh, prejudice and partisanship, whether it's on race or ethnicity or caste or culture, or color of skin, or language, or any aspect in which human being becomes calm. Even, even for unbelievers and believers, it's complete justice. Do not let your dislike or hatred for any community. So what does this mean? Who could you legitimately dislike and hate in Islam? Maybe it's a murderer. Right? Who killed your beloved one. So obviously you will emotionally have a dislike for them. But you must be just with them. Maybe it's a community who fought you on the battlefield, Badr and Uhud. But you must be just with them. Right? So this is one of the strongest verses in Quran al-Kareem. And then Allah Ta'ala falls by saying, What it dilu be just, huwa akrabu taqwa Because being just, not just praying salah, not just giving zakah, being just, huwa akrabu taqwa is more near, is nearmost to taqwa. What taqwa and adopt taqwa. Hmm? Fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In Allah khabirun bimata. Maloon indeed Allah does all aware of every single thing that you do. Alright? And so Ramadan is the month of what? La'allakum tattakun. You know, one thing, but you know, that would have taken actually very long. One thing that we should really think about in Ramadan, uh, when Allah Ta'ala has told us in Quran that we're fasting for the sake of taqwa, then we should actually go through the Quran al-Karim and look at every verse where Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala describes and mentions what taqwa is, how to attain taqwa, and our Ramadan won't be complete until we actually learn all of that and try to be guided by all of that and try to implement and follow all of that. So one aspect of taqwa, remember, akrab, akrab, huwa akrabu taqwa is to be a person of justice. 
Alright? So if we want this month of Ramadan to be a month of La'alakum Tattakun, we should be more just and fair and equitable in all our relationships, all our interpersonal dealings with anyone and everyone. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then follows this up and concludes it with another verse. Salihat. And Allah Ta'ala has promised those who believe and do good deeds. And wa'amil salihat means generally good deeds, but it will be taken first and foremost to refer to the good deed that was just mentioned right before it. What was the good deed that was mentioned in the eye right before it? That was being just and establishing justice and be firm on justice. So Allah Ta'ala indeed will reward uh, those who believe. Allah Ta'ala has promised uh, those who believe and do good deeds generally and establish justice specifically. What? Lahum maghfiratun wa ajrun adim that for them there will be a forgiveness tremendous forgiveness from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and a tremendous reward from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so we make dua that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us all the ad- we will end here for tonight we make dua that Allah ta'ala grant us all the attributes of taqwa in this month of Ramadan both in terms of worship both in terms of staying away from sin both in terms of our awareness and consciousness of him also in terms of being just of fulfilling our contracts of honoring our pledges of all of the societal teachings that Allah Ta'ala has mentioned in Quran, few of which we've been able to cover thus far. May Allah Ta'ala give us tawfiq to learn and understand the entire Quran al-Kareem, to implement the entire Quran al-Kareem in our life, and to be a means of sharing and spreading Quran. Wa akhirun da'wana, and alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.